So long story short, I'm on a fight trip okay. in um, Colorado. Okay. Okay. We're in Broomfield, Colorado for the UFC. I'm with uh, one of our guys, uh, Max Holloway. And he, myself, and Rylan Zars, the other coach, mm-hmm. we go to a, a resort. Okay. It's okay. winter time. Snowboarding. Max oh, wants God, to do snowboarding. Yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He wants to do snowboarding <laughs> yeah. fight week. So week of his fight, yeah. this dude's cutting yes. weight. He wants to go snowboarding. So I'm like, wow, it sounds exciting. But I'm a little nervous because I've never snowboarded before. Okay. My very first time. And so we go out and we go up and whatnot. And then I'm like, okay, in my head, you know, Ivan, I don't care. I don't care. No, no ego. I'm yeah. going to find a bunny hill. Yeah. I'm going to learn how to do this. Yeah. Yep. No bunny hill. Okay. And I was like, bro, you're an athlete. <laughs> Let's go. Okay. I said, no worry, just follow me. All you got to do this and that. Okay. And I grew up surfing mm-hmm. and didn't realize it was the opposite of surfing. Yeah. <laughs> it's the exact opposite. Yeah. And the instincts, it's hard when you're going downhill for it to be, to, to change your instincts, okay. you know, to reverse it. And we go and we go on this blue, blue diamond run. Okay. Yeah, it got downgraded. I don't know a couple of years before it was it was like a lower level black diamond. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. yeah, and the powder wasn't great. There's was a lot okay. of ice and whatnot, dude. I spent the whole first half of the day just getting wrecked. Yeah, getting yeah. wrecked, and it wasn't the falls that that uh, did my shoulder in. What it was was constantly in the snow trying to pick myself getting back up. up. Yeah. yeah. So what happened was I think that thing created an, an impingement in my shoulder. Right. Okay. I know that's what it did. And we ate lunch. And I went back out again. <laughs> I was determined. I was, yeah. I was stubborn. I was going to conquer this thing. Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind, how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back everyone to the HNL Movement Podcast. For any of the new listeners out there, thank you for joining in for this episode. And you're in for a treat. This is the right place to hear some great guest interviews, solo topics as well, about everything that is geared to help you to optimize your performance. All of my returning listeners, thank you again for joining in for another week and all of the continued support. And for everyone out there, please help with the growth of the podcast by sharing these episodes with family, friends, teammates, coaches, anyone that would benefit and be interested in some of this information to help them to reach their true potential. Also check out my YouTube channel, search for HNL Movement, and I've been putting up video highlight clips from the podcast. A video highlight clip is going up daily, So you can see some of the video content that matches the audio content that you're listening to on the podcast. Without saying anything more, I'm excited for this episode. It was a great conversation with Ivan Flores. Ivan is a Muay Thai coach and an MMA striking specialist and has coached a lot of great MMA athletes of all levels here in Honolulu. And he has so much knowledge, a lot of experiences and wisdom that he's passing on for anyone that's looking to improve in fitness, sports, or just life in general. Ivan works with a lot of people in the community and helps a lot of his students at Legacy Muay Thai, part of Gracie Technics. And a lot of our philosophies of what we talk about, there's a lot of overlap in what he does in MMA and what I like to do in strength and conditioning and performance training. I really enjoyed catching up with Ivan and I don't want to spoil anything that we talked about in the episode. So let's just jump straight into it and enjoy this one. 
Welcome back, everyone, to the H&L Movement Podcast. I have, this is going to be a great episode, so much experience that this guy's going to share. And we have Ivan Flores today on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Good to yeah. be here. So, give me some backstory. We knew each other briefly because you had rotator cuff repair, right? Yeah. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the, in the episode. But, you know, as someone that is a striking coach, you know, uses your arms, shoulders a lot, you know, it's very important that you regain that strength. So that's how we first met each other. And from there, yeah, just rehabbing. And then I've seen kind of all the people that you've helped with. I've helped some of your students you know, after injuries and all of that. So yeah, there's a history here and there's so many great things I think that you do that we're gonna dive into today. So before we get started, why don't you share a little bit about your backstory? Mm. Um, kind of what it was like growing up and how you got into what you're doing today, right? It probably started when you were young and, you know, getting into martial arts. Oh man, getting old. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think way back. But um, yeah, I grew up on Maui. I was born here, um, lived in Makakila for a little bit with my grandparents. Mm -hmm. And then I moved over to Maui with my parents. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I consider myself a Maui boy. Hey. Um, Outer Island boy, whatnot. I always was into martial arts. I think growing up, I've always been a fan of um, things like Kung Fu Theater, you know, uh -huh. watching those movies and whatnot. Um, huge Bruce Lee fan, yeah. of course. He was super influential to me. But um, I think I'd say when the movie Kickboxer came out with Jean Claude oh, yeah. Van Damme, that was a big deal for me. <laughs> that was a huge deal for me. Um, very influential uh and the funny thing is i tell people is uh when the movie ever comes up is that i didn't really want to be like john claude van damme okay like tom Poe was a man <laughs> i was like this, he was a villain and everything uh -huh. but i was like man this guy's kicking a concrete pillar uh -huh. you know this yeah. guy is straight up headbutting elbowing and whatnot this thing was devastating uh -huh. so i guess that's where um where i thought you know i wanted to be able to do everything i always mm -hmm. been in love with striking and whatnot but then I kind of funneled into like, hey, what's this art Muay Thai, mm -hmm. you know? And um, always wanted to do martial arts and whatnot, but um, growing up, it was just tough. You know, I'm the oldest uh, out of four siblings. Um, there's a huge gap between all of us. So I was, uh, for a large part, responsible for them. Mm -hmm. Just helping around the house, helping out the family and whatnot, mm -hmm. you know? We definitely come from humble means, which, you know, nothing I would ever change because mm -hmm. humble, humble means equals greater strength and character development mm -hmm. you know yeah. what I mean um, and I'm oh gosh that's a whole nother thing I can go off on mindset <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes we'll touch on that too yeah so when did you actually get started with either Muay Thai or some type of martial arts when um, you were younger I want to say in high school I uh, I started boxing around um, sophomore and junior year okay. where I actually went to a boxing gym mm -hmm. and it was a neighborhood gym because mm -hmm. it was free so I could go Got you it. know what I mean um and when I went there, it was kind of as a backup sport. You know, I played football, basketball, those things like that. But I still was one of those guys that I always wanted to be training. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I was like, man, when I saw other guys that didn't train, I was like, I wanted to be the guy that trained when yeah. they weren't training. Yeah. You yeah. know, so um, I always ran a lot, okay. you know, so it, it just fit well. And mm -hmm. we had to run before practice and boxing and so forth. And, uh, you know, it was good. It was good, but... Um, it was one of those things where what I learned out of it was that I could take a punch uh -huh. and I could give one my first day in, uh, in, in, uh, class. in class. It was in a class 
we wrapped our hands with some old hand wraps that was previously used <laughs> on the okay. wall, right? We wrapped our hands to put on somebody's old, old gloves, mm-hmm. and we had full-blown gym wars. Whoa. That was my first day. I didn't <laughs> learn how to do anything, but just had just banger sessions, and I was like, okay, is this boxing? <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So I think uh, the, the wheels started turning, I started to train wherever I could with whoever I could that I knew practiced. Mm-hmm. I touched into various different martial arts and whatnot. But when I turned 18, mm-hmm. once I graduated high school, I flew up to Oahu for two weeks with a friend of mine. Okay. I was kind of at a crossroads at that point. You know, mm-hmm. I was uh, at one point, I wanted to see if I could, you know, get to like a junior college or something like that and just okay. try out football, maybe, you okay. know, or something. And I was also on the phone with a Marine Corps recruiter. Okay. So mm-hmm. I was really close to being set to mm-hmm. to signing and leaving. Yeah. You know, and then the third part, whereas I had this dream, I wanted to fight professionally. Okay. You know, and uh, I was like the crazy one. Nobody really understood what I was talking about growing up, and mm-hmm. I thought I was kind of nuts. You know, I was I was the elementary school kid that I was trying to convince everyone mm-hmm. that I was going to be a real ninja. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So I guess I wasn't really afraid to dream, but mm-hmm. uh, I graduated, moved up here for, I mean, I visited up here for about two weeks, went back home and I told my mom, I said, mom, I think I'm going to move mm-hmm. and uh, I want to, I want to go for this thing. Mm-hmm. I want to fight, yeah. you know, and it was just kind of like a shock, you know, uh-huh. they thought I was going to find a job back in Maui uh-huh. and maybe go to community college, whatever it is and stuff. But um, yeah, I picked up. A couple weeks later, packed all my stuff, whatever money I had saved from doing side jobs, okay. um, came up here and, and started my journey immediately. Yeah. Yeah. That is a crazy story. <laughs> so to backtrack and, and you can fill in some of the gaps, but yeah. so football, you played football primarily, you know, and or that was one of the big sports, right? Yeah. So did you play football all the way from like Pop Warner time? No, or? no? I, I didn't. I only okay. played football in high school and actually okay. only from my sophomore year. Um, oh. I wanted to play before that, but I could never commit to team sports because okay. I was I was the oldest sibling. Got it. So I was taking Got care it. of siblings, yeah. doing chores at home, all this sort of stuff. Um, yeah. So I just couldn't ever commit to a practice, you know. Got so it. I was like, I tried so hard to. Like, mom, please, I really want to go. Yeah. You know, I want to play football so bad, but. Once I got in, I, I I tried to ball as hard as I could, man. Yeah. It was a good three years. <laughs> Do you think, and I know you train a lot of different, you know, fighters or athletes from different backgrounds. Sure. But do you think that football aspect helped you in some way as you started your career? In yeah, fighting? definitely. Yeah. Definitely, 100%. I think already, um, because, you know, I went to Baldwin, and mm-hmm. when I graduated, we were like, like basically athletic school of the state mm-hmm. we had the female and male athletics athletes of the year and whatnot so we were we were doing really really well but um we come we came from a hard program at that time okay. we played two sides of the ball and um no matter how good you did you could you could always do better uh-huh. kind of thing you know so i think when i transferred to martial arts and and i trained to compete one i already had a good athletic base mm-hmm. i was in great shape um i was strong i was very very fit mm-hmm. but i think i already had developed a lot of grit yeah, you know, from practicing and uh, just 
just holding myself accountable, mm-hmm. you know, so it was a great base. Yeah. yeah. What position do you play in football? I played free safety okay. and tailback, but they had me on kickoff, you everything. name it, everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can imagine how, you know, just your fitness level and just building that base. And I mean, it is a collision sport, so for sure, different yeah. than fighting, but you know, you learn how to take impact. And, oh, 100%. Yeah. So now when you start to get, you know, going to these boxing classes and everything, and you had this dream, right, to yeah. fight professionally. Explain the learning curve or what kind of, how that, how that progressed. Okay. Um, so, all right, I'm trying to embark on this journey or not. I didn't find a Muay Thai school yet, but I went up to, uh, I was, uh, enrolled in, um, Honolulu Community College. Okay. Right. Just kind of get started there, get something going and whatnot. Found a part-time job and, uh, part-time job. What was I doing? I think I was washing dishes. Okay. I was washing dishes in a restaurant with Kiki. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So humble times. Yeah. <clears throat> Pain rent and everything. Yeah. And, uh, I found that UH in uh, the athletic complex, they had uh, different martial arts okay. kind of going on on the weekends over there and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And what I found was like Taekwondo. Okay. So this Korean guy is legit. This guy was ex national team guy and so oh. forth. He wanted to create a, a whole, uh, national team for olympics and all this sort of stuff mm-hmm. like that just raise the game and i went there for about two weeks and uh he just couldn't stand me <laughs> he just would, would uh he walked past me when i kicked the pad and just with like disgust he would say you kick like a kickboxer <laughs> okay i was like man i was trying my best you know <laughs> yeah. i'm trying here man like and then uh yeah two weeks later a buddy of mine had found muay thai Okay. And just so happens, it was in the studio right across the way at, at a similar time. I was like, how did he find us? He didn't even tell me. Yeah. You know, so I was like, man, I'm going to skip Taekwondo one day. I'm going to go over there. Okay. I went over there and that was it. Done. Sold. Done. Yeah, I met a good buddy of mine who became a good buddy of mine, like a brother to me. Uh, my first mentor was uh, this guy, Greg Wong. Okay. And um, he had this disposition about him where he was, um, he looked very formidable when you looked at him. Okay. You know, he was just all quads and shoulders and whatnot, this Muay Thai machine, you know. But he had this really kind disposition about Mm -hmm. him. And so I got into training and so forth and whatnot, and I I was kind of in awe because my understanding of martial arts and and training to fight and whatnot, it it really shook that perspective up. Because Greg was an animal, mm-hmm. just an absolute beast. I mean, the the power and the kicks and the savagery, just just how vicious you hit the pads, um, and even in sparring, the level of contact was really hard. And um, but the the innocence and the the genuine kindness about it. There was no meanness mm-hmm. behind it. Mm-hmm. it. Was genuinely trying to help each other get better yeah. and whatnot. There wasn't a like a locker room kind of like macho ness to mm-hmm. it whatsoever. It was very cerebral, and this guy just blew my mind. I, I, I'd uh, go with him to our um, to the the parent camp over in Kalihi, and uh, the room was like you know it was Akepa Lane. Okay. It was this tin roof, beat down warehouse okay. sort of thing. You know, it's homeless all around uh-huh. and everything like that. And uh, you go there, you're like, wow, this is so hardcore, man. <laughs> just guys with tattoos on their heads. <laughs> this one guy, Brian, had this whole long ponytail, like he was like Tongpo. Mm-hmm. Kicking this this solid sandbag against the wall, the room shaking, boom, yeah. boom, and whatnot, and watching Greg just like just kick butt in that room, man, yeah. a room full of killers. And but he was the nicest human being I had ever met. I couldn't understand how someone that could have that much skill but, but be that aggressive, have that kind of violence, 
could be that controlled and that and, and that type of a decency this human nature side i was just blown away so i was like i was really like really pulled in yeah for a bigger purpose now than just fighting yeah that uh, i mean i think that's a lot of it right or the influence of the people that you're around or the mentors that you kind of follow right yeah, yeah. you pick up that draws you in even more and you pick up all of the things that you want to learn right yeah so did it come natural to you when you started taking all these classes or what was what was that like in the beginning because you had the drive yeah. to fight professionally yeah yes. for sure i think it did um i think it did you know physically and mentally as far as the training 100 percent um i didn't care if i made a single penny off of it mm-hmm. i just wanted to be the best in the world <laughs> but i think what really allowed me to stick out through the the days where I didn't, I didn't perform as well and sparring and whatnot or was was that it was self-growth okay you know because i think a lot of times um you know i guess you know things growing up and whatnot yeah i grew up a little angry like i gotta admit i grew up a little angry and stuff and uh i think when i went into training and whatnot I had this I had a certain motivation behind me mm-hmm. where I want to be the baddest guy in the room kind of thing, <laughs> yeah. you know. So I mean, like the maturity, you know, um, really, really grew because, you know, why, why is it that I need to get pumped and almost get angry yeah. to perform a certain way, uh-huh. where this this mentor of mine <laughs> yes. could be so calm and zen, like he'd meditate before and whatnot, yeah. and just. I was yeah. like, what is going on here? So I think I think it started happening really well because I was very fortunate for my first two, three years in it that I had such a good mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't so much, he didn't have to teach so much, even though he did. Mm-hmm. Um, we never talked about mindset or whatnot because okay. he's the most humble guy. Mm-hmm. Never ever would talk about himself. You try to give him a compliment. He would just really deflect, feel almost uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just by example yeah. and it, it spoke volumes to me of what happens when you lead by example and just for me I think because I understood that part I started to recognize that part training and, and my growth um, happened probably better or faster than mm. for a lot of people got it got it How, explain a little bit you know it's great to hear all that insight and you know thinking about your journey too mm. i i think it helps you as a coach now oh, man, yeah. tremendously <laughs> but explain a little bit about you know the time commitment what your training schedule was like how, how long were you in the gym you know and all of that because i'm sure you sacrificed a lot dedicated a lot of time to also grow really fast yeah so um the first thing that happened was that mm-hmm. Everything that I did before, mm-hmm. I basically almost stopped doing. Okay. You know, um, I was in the water a lot. Um, that pretty much stopped happening. Um, all the other activities, I would play pickup games, some basketball and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That was done. Um, <clears throat> I was into a lot of like mountain biking and things okay. like that. Um, I, and I still kind of used it as training, mm-hmm. but I start to funnel away from some of these things. Um, I was even into motorcycle racing. Okay back when we saw the track in Campbell yeah, back in yeah. the day but um, I started to go away from these things because they took my attention away from a certain point mm-hmm. and I didn't want to risk injury yep. from practice and whatnot because I was training six days a week mm-hmm. um, training was usually three to four hours long okay. in Muay Thai it's a cumulative thing 
there's so many different areas to work on and consistency and frequency of doing these repeated fundamentals um, are extremely important you know so that would be going on six days a week I would spar five nights a week anywhere from six to twelve rounds a night got it you know so it was it was a ton of training um not all the sparring was really hard but it was always very activated and and uh, we we were working you know and then not to mention too um in my off time you know where i got in a run or i was working on sprints or or something Mm -hmm. or swimming in the pool you know what i mean um everything had a purpose at that point yeah yeah and that's good to hear because you know it's like for all of the people I work with, I'm sure with you, everyone that you work with, you know, it's good to set high expectations, have mm. goals and stuff, but you have to be willing to make the sacrifice and put the time in. Oh, and, you know, it's not just going to one day just appear that, you know, you're there, right? So yeah. putting all of the time and sacrifice and I'm sure it was, you know, a lot of hard times, ups and downs, but you enjoyed it along the way. Yeah. Yeah. So all of that is, it's interesting to hear how it, how it grew. So mm. talk a little bit about how did professional fighting actually come to be a reality and how long in your journey after, you know, training this mm. intensely, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it started not not too long after um, because there wasn't an amateur scene from Muay Thai. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, and but basically, I was already going around the island and I was sparring with whoever was anything, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I was sparring with guys, you know, 100%, guys 50 to 100 pounds north of me. Okay. You know, at that time I was, um, I guess I was around, when I first started, uh, around 160, a little under 160 or whatnot. Um, I ended up competing a lot at around 160 okay. and so forth. But um, yeah, um, I had my first first fight locally. It was in a I can't remember the promotion, but they were trying to they were trying to make um, professional kickboxing popular. Okay, okay. over here, and uh, they had some uh, pro Muay Thai as well. I think it was a joint promotion. Um, it was what was it called? I think it was called like the Art of War. Okay, I think um, Strike Force something like that before Strike Force became MMA. Okay. Um, it was like a ESPN uh, sort of thing yeah yeah so kind of cool you know so um, it was in Blaisdell they brought down fighters from a lot of the west coast and so forth Um, you know even a super famous uh, Thai guy fought in in the event his name was Jong Sanan called him the wooden man he's one of the golden era legends of Muay Thai out of Fairtex Um, and he ended up fighting like twice that night too which is really cool because Another one of the other matches, the opponent dropped out in the other just, fight. Yeah, and he was like, oh, "I'll just fight him." <laughs> and I, he just crazy. did, and I'm just like, "Man, that was one of those things where that opened my eyes a lot." Um, I lost my first matches, okay. my very first uh, amateur kickboxing fight in Maui. I lost. I won the second one. Okay. Then I was no longer an amateur anymore. Um, I left Maui, and uh, my very first pro Muay Thai fight, I lost. And after that. I lost that one and after that I never lost. Got it. You know, yeah. um, just the growth because the hardest thing I think is making that walk for the first time. Mm. And it's the weight, the build up in the room, other fighters around, they all everyone's getting their groove different ways and so forth. Yeah. And uh just anticipation of what what are you gonna do and what to expect and all those sort yeah. of things, you know. 
that really gets to you, you know, and I think um, it's hard for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It was hard for me too in, mm-hmm. in the very beginning, but what happened was once the doors, I mean, the doors, I, mean, the, uh, I climbed through the ropes and whatnot and a bell rang and whatnot, I was a little numb. Mm-hmm. You know, the place was packed. Yeah. The, the, the blazer was sold out. Yeah. So I was pretty numb. Like, I couldn't feel my arms and legs and yeah, <laughs> everything, yeah, like, you know. I had a hard time. Yeah. Uh, opponent came out, and he wasn't super technical. Okay. Just came out. I think his adrenaline was just shooting like crazy, too. Yeah. And came out and just blitzed me. And, and, uh, and uh, I lost a decision and whatnot, but I just I just uh, couldn't get settled. Yeah. I was trying to find my spots when they're breathing and everything like that. And I just wasn't. I started to kind of trade back in the moment. Then I was like, no, I got to be technical, be technical. But this guy's just teeing off on me. Yeah. Kind of thing, chasing me down and whatnot. Um, you know, and then I started to trade with the guy. <laughs> Lessons learned. Because yeah. by the time he got tired, guess what? I was tired yeah. too. <laughs> so I couldn't really capitalize yeah. as yeah. well, you yeah. know. Um, but it was one of those things where you, you learn you learn a lot from it. And um, it, it set the tone for everything after that. Yeah. I mean, all of those things, there's so many things we could unpack there. I mean, oh, yeah, God. just like, you know, emotions and just your nervous system just shutting off. Oh, it's man. like, you can't really do anything about it at that yeah. point. You're just trying to survive and manage. But also, let's, let's touch on a little bit more of the lessons learned and some of that mental yeah. side. Because mm-hmm. I know that you coach a lot of the elite Hawaii MMA fighters, right? You coach a lot of other people that are looking to either fight amateurly or in the pro scene right sure but i think from you from experience not only the experience of actually being through it but how you've learned to be successful right the rest of your career (laughs) is like i think you pass on a lot of great insight and words Mm. of wisdom so share a little bit about that like what has your experience been kind of navigating through that mental growth side of things in the sport of Muay Thai or anything really mm. um, oh man tremendous I think like uh, for one thing from my pro MMA from my pro Muay Thai career and transitioning to pro MMA and whatnot. Um, I think back then you know being that it was a different time mm-hmm. you know back in the 90s and, a, and early 2000s and stuff mm-hmm. um, it was really different I think there wasn't any social media for one thing yeah and that's a huge thing that's really really changed the landscape i think of of athletes mentality nowadays Mm -hmm. so for for myself and i think a lot of the generation back then i think a lot of those guys could probably attest to it is that you you enjoy the journey Mm -hmm. you know if you didn't enjoy training and working really hard um you know sweating in that room and 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 sacrificing in the shadows with no credit without nobody Mm -hmm. watching sort of thing then Mm -hmm fighting was not for you yeah 100% not you could not do this thing Mm -hmm. you know um once once more I guess notoriety the internet and things start to expand more and more you know what I mean I think there became different motivations and so forth you know and I think you know with that became more money Mm -hmm. and everything but for myself you know I want to think I always want to think about kind of like the long game, not mm-hmm. just right now, but I'm always thinking the long game, you know, so I'm thinking longevity, not just, just to be successful, but to be successful for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. You know, if this is something that you enjoy, you know, I mean, the, the goal in life is to be able to take something that's a hobby that you enjoy and be able to call it work one day, yep. Yep. you know, it's a, it's a, it's a hard thing for people to swallow and, and like, can you really do that? I can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, 
I think the biggest thing was that being willing to work without any sort of credit, needing any sort of praise to help, you know, be like this carrot that's in front of you to kind of reach to the next step before there's another reward, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that was huge for me. And that was one of the things where now we're, I think I'm a patient coach. I think I'm a, Mm -hmm. I'm a very compassionate coach, but I'm also, I'm a hard man, you know? And and life has, life has taught me that, you Mm -hmm. know, my experiences have taught me that, that, to weed through all the all the mm-hmm. nonsense and whatnot and I can really it's it's become such a thing now where I can really weed through I can tell you who's gonna be something and who's who's mm-hmm. not just because of what comes out of their mouth. Yeah, yeah. Easily, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um I think, you know, through the process, uh it set me up for my goal, which was e- eventually after fighting, I wanted to become a coach. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to open up my own gym, 100%. And uh, I think I stopped fighting sooner than I wanted to. Um, when I started going through injuries and so forth and not knowing how best to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea was I was going to go back to it, but it, it, it uh, just I ended up coaching. Yeah. I started coaching a little more, a little more. And uh, I think uh, things started transitioning for me. And I realized, man, like... A lot of people kind of count on me to be there for them, <laughs> yeah. to fight and coach at the same time. I don't know if I can do it. It's, yeah. So throughout your career, thinking about, you know, how you kind of after those losses, right? Mm-hmm. You went on this win streak and, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of learn from all of that. What types of big things mentally <clears throat> did your career teach you? Who, you know, it's kind of tough. I, and I don't think everyone, everyone will be able to identify with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate losing. Okay, I hate losing. Mm-hmm. I'm very competitive, um, but I don't celebrate my wins. Mm-hmm. It's a big difference, mm-hmm. you know, because I've been around this for such a long time, over half my life, and mm-hmm. you know, everybody doesn't. Nobody likes to lose, of mm-hmm. course, right? But there's different degrees of it, because most people celebrate their their wins, their achievements. You know, they worked hard for it and so forth, but. For me, I'm uh, with myself, I'm pretty critical. I've always been kind of a perfectionist with myself. And uh, I think all I can think about after a win, even if I knocked the guy out, was like everything that I did wrong. Mm. I'd go back and try to, if anybody had any tape on it or whatnot, I'd try to watch tape on it and stuff. And mm-hmm. I'd be back in the gym on Monday, mm-hmm. fight Saturday, I'd be back in the gym on Monday. And, uh, you know, I'd fly back home. And I'd be back back in the gym as soon as I arrive home, and I would go over uh, go over the scenarios where I got hit and what I should have done, how I should have reacted better. If there's anything that made me feel uncomfortable, I obsessed about it. Mm-hmm. I absolutely obsessed about it. If I didn't have an answer for it, I absolutely obsessed about it. I had to find the answer, and so that set, set kind of the precedent afterwards because I made that my approach through the rest of my career you know i'll go over tape over and over and over and over again um watching guys and whatnot and and just when i would watch fights and just as a fan you know watching (laughs) fights of the guys that that i really liked and whatnot i would watch them but like i was telling my son the other day you know my son aries is that uh watch just something just when you're when you're in the gym somebody just watch people and whatnot because I'll watch tape of the of my favorite fighters in the world and I'll watch but all what they did well and what they did you know didn't do so well but I'll think in my head how to beat them 
yeah. you know how to beat them so what had happened was that kind of created a I guess kind of a system for me mentally okay. you know what I mean it's kind of something that I just had for myself mm-hmm. um, and it was like a system of my own internal checks and balances okay to keep myself in check uh-huh. you know so no one ever would catch me catch me slipping mm-hmm. um, was that I would problem solve whatever a person did mm-hmm. that they're good at mm-hmm. I would create three answers of how to take that away uh, you know three yeah. answers for everything they did well everything that they they either did well or they needed to do mm-hmm. to do to do something successful I would find three answers of how to take that away and make them pay for it mm-hmm. so as a coach that became kind of a foundation of my system of um, being more of a, I guess, a defensive-based coach. Okay. Yeah, more of a tactician type where I would make sure that when we go in there, nobody could do anything to you to make you feel so uncomfortable mm-hmm. that you couldn't perform what you do. You yeah. know, and I see that a lot. I see that so much where guys get uncomfortable, you know, they don't have an answer for this, for this or that. And, you know, and I, you know, like I said, you know, like you touched on with my coaching various different types of athletes, whether it be the Amis locally here, mm-hmm. regional, or it's some of my pros that are competing at the top 1%, mm-hmm. you know, even world championship level. Mm-hmm. Um, I see it there. Yep. I see it there through, you know, dozens and dozens of different athletes and camps every time I fly out for these events. And it's just... um I feel like, in a way, it's kind of my secret weapon, mm-hmm. you know, because um, I think the biggest thing now is that, especially with MMA, mm-hmm. people are impatient, mm-hmm. you know, and being that, I I'm just feel grateful and blessed that I saw Kickboxer all those years ago, <laughs> <laughs> because being that I'm from Muay Thai, uh-huh. um, I'm very defensive-based. I believe in having a strong, strong defense. Mm-hmm. And offense becomes easier when you know how to recover defensively. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that's been huge for me um, to take from my career and uh, implement now as a coach. uh. And that's that's really interesting to hear too because, you know, me watching from the outside, I've never done mixed martial arts, you know, like... Mm really intensely mm-hmm. but as a casual fan right sure you're, yeah. i can appreciate movement i can appreciate you know mm-hmm. the training the sacrifice all yeah. of those things because that's similar to other sports right yeah, yeah but it's so interesting to hear the coach's perspective because every single thing doesn't matter what sport it is <laughs> doesn't matter if it's even strength and conditioning you know what yeah, i do yeah. everything can be so technical mm. and you can have one person just kind of think oh that's good enough or you can have the other person that wants to know how do I make this better right. or what's three answers to solve this right so I think that approach I mean that's something that I really relate to because I mean you know we'll talk about your injuries in a minute but even mm-hmm. taking care of your injuries it's like there's no way I'm going to do the exact same thing six months from now even right. because I'm going to have bigger perspective better right. things that probably will work a little better so same thing like you know when you're coming up with strategies when you're coaching Mm -hmm. people i know you're always looking how can i improve this or relate to them more or coach this instruction better so that's so good to hear from that perspective oh you're absolutely right about that like you said um i'm not the same every six months Mm -hmm. you know what i mean if i'm not raising my game constantly can it get better then how do I keep up with these guys helping yep. them to get better? Yep. You know, so yeah, you hit around the head. <laughs> yeah, that, that's where we share, I think, a lot of similar philosophies. And let's touch on, so you kind of mentioned briefly that, you know, you 
wanted to fight probably longer but some injuries were there and then you wanted to coach people and it was hard to do both right mm-hmm. manage what you needed to do and also help other people mm-hmm. so talk a little bit about what were some of the injuries that you had to overcome throughout your career maybe even from when you started um until we you know took care of your shoulder yeah um when i was in high school i first started having back spasms in my you know lower back spasms mm-hmm. and so forth and they'll just kind of come here and there and uh you know back then sports medicine wasn't what it was yeah, you know what yeah. i mean so i think i you know i definitely didn't stretch as much as i as I needed to, but also mm-hmm. to the functioning methods of stretching, you know, aren't what they are today. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The general things that we did back then, um, nobody talked about drinking enough water, <laughs> electrolytes, those sort of things, you mm-hmm. know? So a lot of the time, I mean, I would get those lower back spasms because I was always doing something. Mm-hmm. I was always training or playing some sort of sport. Yeah. So whatever I could, you know what I mean? Whenever I wasn't helping out the family. And uh, I think... Another big thing for me was like I'd be the guy that always like start cramping a little bit. Okay. Not enough water and stuff, right? <laughs> so as you know, as I move up, started training and so forth and moved to martial arts and I moved to this career in fighting. Um, I think back then the only thing that I knew to better help me was to remain more flexible. Okay. So I think I, I started to stretch more going to longer deeper stretches and thinking that was going to be it you know what i mean that was going to be fine and then this back spasm started to pop up again and i'm like oh my gosh you know what i mean this is killing me and whatnot um so i'll start stretching after practices mm-hmm. but not even all the time you know what i mean i wasn't aware that might be some muscle imbalances and <laughs> some deficiencies or I'm not as strong in certain areas uh, yes, and yes. other areas are a little yeah. more dominant um, and whatnot. And uh, all I would do if I really, really need to is I would rest. I kind of okay. figured out my body at the time in my, in my early 20s, in mm-hmm. mid 20s, or I would just have to go through a deeper warm up where I got a good sweat going. Okay. Now my back is loose. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> so I kind of went through that for you know I would say like almost like uh, eight or nine years okay. I want to say when I, when I was fighting, uh, fighting professionally um, but what had happened was like I hit a point where I was waiting for things that kind of happen um, I was ranked in a top 10 you know in, in a world and uh, I was waiting for my shot I was like ranked number 7 but for some reason after I beat someone in the top 5 they're not giving me anyone else in the top 5 <laughs> got it <laughs> and I'm just waiting 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 and whatnot. and I was like it's really tough you know because I, I worked myself up to a point where I'm getting paid like 2500 to show another 2 grand or 2500 to win and then back then there weren't really any big sponsors mm-hmm. the best I could get at, at a certain point was helping some, having someone help me out with airfare mm-hmm. to fly out you know mm-hmm overseas and um this became hard so um i think i had my last fight around 29 or 30 right before 30 or right as i turned 30 and uh i was like man i think i'm gonna take a little small break Mm -hmm. i think i'll take a small break at that time nothing was bothering me okay um i think what i had done differently that past two years prior to um stopping uh fighting was that i started to do a lot more strength training got it and that was big. Mm-hmm. That was huge for me because nothing was bothering me anymore. Yeah. No back issues whatsoever. Yeah. Nothing was bothering me anymore. And it was really good. 
So I said, you know what, I'm just gonna take a year off. I'm gonna earn as much money as I can. I'm in tremendous shape, best shape of my entire life. And I'm gonna go right back to it. I just need to eat, (laughs) need to buy groceries. (laughs) And uh, one year turned into two years. And then at the end of the two years, um, my back started, my body started giving out. Mm -hmm. And in that two years time, I went kind of nuts. Because what I did is I started to work more Okay. I had three different restaurant jobs. Okay, yeah. Okay, so yeah. I worked six nights, and I started to work construction. Got it. And uh, as, as a carpenter again, and uh, I started to work five days a week, then I started to work six days a week. Yeah. So I ended up having Sunday daytime off and Thursday night off. Got it. And my, I started to lose muscle mass. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's like I knew I was losing muscle mass, well, excuse me, but I still had abs. So I'm like, I'm still, I'm still strong. My work is really physical, and I was always yeah. busy. So I'm like, man, I'm, t- I'm, still, I'm still in shape, yeah. you know? But I wasn't really realizing that a lot of the things that was really strong uh-huh. were, no, were now becoming weak. And uh, as a career athlete, I didn't realize the atrophy I was going through. Yeah. So my muscles were getting shorter. Yeah. I wasn't stretching because I wasn't training. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So now I started to um, have some of these issues start to pop, pop back a little bit, and then one day my back just went out. My back went out so bad that I was on the floor. I had to roll over on my back. I couldn't stand back up. Yeah. Okay. So I can't stand on my back. I was like, I never had it this bad before. So mm-hmm. I'm wait. I'm laying on my back flat on the concrete, waiting for things to kind of settle. And then my vision starts to go. Okay. <laughs> my oh. vision starts to go. I start to lose vision on my left side. I start to get numbness in my face oh, and the man. left side of my, my body. And now I can't really see. Okay. And then I get a full-on migraine. Oh, no. Yeah. So, boom, landslide right there. I'm like, what the heck is going on and stuff. And uh, my, uh, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. So, I went to the doctors and whatnot. And, you know, they checked me out and you know eventually found out that I had a lot of issues in my neck yeah and a lot of issues in my lower back I had yeah. degenerative discs mm-hmm. that were just bone on bone yeah uh, L5 S1 and uh, and so forth and then my neck on the uh, gosh C9 or C10 or whatnot same thing going on over there mm-hmm. um, and I had a spot of arthritis next to the nerve um, and on top of that my spine was just all of, uh, for some reason my spine became crooked yeah you yeah. know, all out of whack when that my uh my skull that top plate was was goosed out forward like this. Got it. So I had so much impingement on the nerves, and yeah. then now my my uh I'm just, I was just really messed up. Yeah. Really messed up. So he said, "Oh man, you're really strong candidate for surgery and stuff." I was like, "Oh my gosh." Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, I remember being in the office and stuff. I ended up uh going to a chiropractor. Like, okay. oh, you know, okay, my uh girlfriend my, my now my now wife uh-huh. you know at that time we we're still dating she told me uh you know let's go see a chiropractor or whatnot yeah. and i was like man people have been telling me you say a chiropractor from when i was like 21 yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and i was like ah, you know, i didn't really think it was going to help or whatnot and i did saw the guy and he was like your career is done mm-hmm. you'll never fight again mm-hmm. um you have to think about doing something else for work and i just remember being in the office and started crying yeah, yeah. i was just devastated because i 100 percent believed that i was going to get back to it yeah you know, so um, I learned a lot right there, mm-hmm. and the road to recovery had to slowly start happening. Yeah. yeah, I did not. 
Well, actually, I probably did know, but you know, it's been a while since we worked together, so all of the details kind of slipped my mind. But uh, I didn't realize that your neck was that bad, dude. My neck was so back. bad. Yeah. It was like it was so bad that even my my lower back took um, a back seat to my neck. Yeah, because my neck became a chronic thing where. Um, as I went around, nobody knew how to fix this thing. Yeah. I'd see different doctors, different doctors, different doctors, so forth. Um, one side, they're prescribing medication, mm-hmm. candidate for surgery. On the other side, they're like, you got to do all these different exercises on the more yeah. holistic side and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing all these things, man. I'm marching to, to the beat with everyone, mm-hmm. that, but now I'm on medication yeah. because I'm having these migraines yeah. that are completely taking me out. Yeah. And when these things hit me, I lose vision, I lose yeah. speech, yeah. I can't really think, yeah. and sometimes I go completely black or can't see anything. Yeah. Um, it was so bad, um, it would take me out from work for a few days to a week. Oh, yeah. I'd be shell-shocked for days after. Yeah. Like my, in the, inside my head, it just feels so bruised and beat up, yeah? yeah? And it was like later, later, when I finally found this, uh, this other chiropractor, um, this guy, like, uh, Dr. Michael Nogray, okay. um, but he had done this adjustment on my skull okay. where he was able to kind of reset that, uh, I guess that it's called the Atlas bone or something yep. like that. Yep. He'd reset it back on the plate. And then long story short, you know, being with him for like a year at that point, he got me off medication. Okay. I had to take meds every day. It was really yeah. bad. And I yeah. still have breakthrough migraines. Uh-huh. Um, so he got me off meds and whatnot. And then we got a better understanding of the strengthening that I needed in my neck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm to prevent the head from going that, forward. Yeah. And then he knows, you know, you just, you learn and whatnot. Every so often you have you know, a minor breakthrough. I'll, I'll get a little bit symptomatic and stuff, even once in a great while, to, you know, to this day. Mm-hmm. But then I started to like learn like the last two years that my scaling muscles on my neck, okay. they get so tight because of yeah. all the pad holding that I do and so forth. Yes, far. yeah. So I started to learn how to stretch these guys out. Yeah. The next thing you know, even though this might be killing me, my neck, my, my traps and whatnot might be killing me. I stretch my scaling muscles out. Yeah. All of a sudden, I have this neck relief. Yeah. My eyes are clear. Everything loosened. Yeah. So, man, it's been like this long journey of like, I want to say over 10 years, almost 15 years now of mm-hmm. learning how to kind of beat this thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I think you just saw a chiropractor. You did exercise and everything. And then you slowly got things back into balance, right? Yeah. And then the, the symptoms kind of decreased. You got off the meds. Mm-hmm. Now explain, how did that tie into your shoulder? Oh man, yeah. yeah. So, you know, the, when I was competing, you know, I didn't drink enough water. <laughs> and sometimes at night, because of how much training I'll do, you know what I mean? I'd lay on my side and I would hear my shoulder creak. Mm-hmm. Like re- a really dry door hinge creak, <laughs> yeah. you know, over not, like oh my gosh, man. <laughs> and um, once in a while, I have headaches and everything like that and stuff. But you know, I knew some, you know, my shoulders weren't great, but still, it was like I stretch my chest, stretch my lats out, mm-hmm. do these things, do these, do certain warm ups, whatnot, get the mobility going with it. Mm-hmm. I'm okay, right? But. And didn't realize how how weak my shoulders yeah. got. The rotator cuff. Yeah. You know, um, focusing on these on, on these other areas, uh-huh. I neglected mm-hmm. the shoulders. And at that time too, you know, I mean, just being so busy in this new thing, starting the gym and um, mm-hmm. coaching these you know these yeah. athletes and so forth, really going full time in it now. Yeah. Not part time anymore. Now I'm a full time mm-hmm. coach and everything. And. Uh, I think too the stubbornness for sure. You gotta give shout out to my wife for that. 
I'm stubborn, <laughs> you know, thinking that I'm still the same young guy, uh-huh. I'll be fine, you <laughs> know? Um, but yeah, my shoulder, um, end up, <laughs> so long story short, I'm on a fight trip okay. in um, Colorado. Okay. Okay, we're in Broomfield, Colorado for the UFC. I'm with uh, one of our guys, uh, Max Holloway. And he, myself, and Ryland Zars, another coach, mm-hmm. we go to a, a resort, okay? It's okay. winter time, snowboarding. Max oh, wants God, to do snowboarding. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He wants to do snowboarding <laughs> yeah. fight week. So week of his fight, yeah. his dude's cutting yes. weight, he wants to go snowboarding. So I'm like, wow, it sounds exciting. But I'm a little nervous because I've never snowboarded before. Okay. My very first time. And so we go out and we go up and whatnot. And then I'm like, okay, in my head, you know, Ivan, I don't care. I don't care. No, no ego. I'm yeah. gonna find a bunny hill. Yeah. I'm gonna learn how to do this. Yeah. Yep. No bunny hill. Okay. I was like, bro, you're an athlete. <laughs> Let's go. Okay. I said, no worry, just follow me. All you gotta do is this and that. Okay. And I grew up surfing mm-hmm. and didn't realize it was the opposite of surfing. Yeah. <laughs> it's the exact opposite. Yeah. And the instincts, it's hard when you're going downhill for it to be to to change your instincts. Okay. You know, to reverse it. And we go and we go on this blue blue diamond run. Okay. Yeah, it got downgraded. I don't know a couple of years before it was it was like a lower level black diamond. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. yeah. And the powder wasn't great. There's was a lot okay. of ice and whatnot. Dude, I spent the whole first half of the day just getting wrecked. Yeah. Getting yeah. wrecked. And it wasn't the falls that that uh, did my shoulder in. What it was was constantly in the snow trying to pick myself getting back up. up. Yeah. yeah, so what happened was I think that thing created an, an impingement in my shoulder. Right? Okay. I know that's what it did. And we ate lunch and I went back out again. <laughs> I was determined. I was, yeah. I was stubborn. I was going to yeah. conquer this thing. But I went to the bunny hill first, though. I was like, okay, I want to learn how to do this thing and whatnot. But mm-hmm. I still had falls. And uh, by this time, my shoulder's wrecked. I can feel it all the way through um, through my arm even. Okay. So I finished a fight week having to hold pads um, with like one hand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could barely, I could barely get my arm up this yeah. high and stuff and when he kicked to the body I'll just eat it I'll just yeah. eat your shoulder I just went through it we tried to see a massage place over there get some relief nothing I was like man this thing feels pretty sharp and uh, got back home saw a friend of ours from the gym Pat and he was like man you gotta go see Andrew you gotta go see Drew man yeah. and go see Drew and I'm like what I got all this going on yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay it's coming back to me now I, I do remember the snowboarding yeah when I first met you yeah um but okay, so to fill in some of the gaps, this is after, so your neck was, I think it was better at this point because you, you know, you kind of were past that working mm-hmm. construction as much. Yep. How did you transition into starting the gym full time? You just went all in? Yep, all in. Up. I was working at a restaurant. I was uh, I was running a kitchen. I was the, the executive uh, in a kitchen. Yep. And um, I just decided, you know, I was doing it part time and- yeah. Yeah, I was working a hundred hours a week. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. is crazy. I was working a hundred hours a week. Um, Aries here, he was a, uh, he had just celebrated his first birthday. Oh, crazy! Yeah, that, yeah. That celebrated that was, his first yeah. birthday, one years old. Um, we had his birthday party, and uh, the next day I went into work and I quit. Got it. 
Got it. Yeah, I remember yeah. like you were super busy, you know, starting up everything, mm-hmm. but you would always show up and you would push, you would push hard. That's the thing. And it's like, and you know, my style, it's like, okay, we can't do all of this stuff, but this is what we can do. Go 110% with yeah. what we can do. And you yes. would, you know, with the art, with everything, we oh, would yeah, art, yeah. push hard. But I think um, a lot of that, just postural things, you know, neck things, I think. I won't go too much into into mm. it because I can go down a rabbit hole. But what most people don't realize is how much your head and neck position affects shoulder function. Oh you know, and God. that's yeah. that's one of the big things. So just having that history right in your neck yeah. that further took a toll on your shoulder even before the snowboarding. Yeah, stuff, right. Oh, way before. So all of that is you know sometimes people think well it's my neck you know and it's like well it really works together you know like everything has to kind that's of do thing. its job right. Mm-hmm. If one one place is just slacking then mm-hmm. other places are gonna really take a toll for it. So yeah. that was um, something that I remembered. I mean yeah you would push and I I was really surprised with you know how well your shoulder was doing and then my big concern too was like can you take impact can you like <laughs> hold a pad and you know like be okay right yeah, building up yeah, that yeah. strength and conditioning um is there anything you want to say about what happened like you know after you got that base strength like maybe either the mental side or the physical side to being able to hold pads because you're not just holding pads for like amateurs <laughs> you're yeah, like yeah, yeah. holding pads for high level guys and you're taking some impact and you have to be quick and all of that too right yeah i'm very <laughs> physical um, when i hold pads um very i guess i guess unique a lot of people mm-hmm. people say um but a big thing for me is making sure that position and shot placement Mm-hmm. is precedent over everything mm-hmm. you know um swinging and missing just the margin for error mm-hmm. where i my background where i come from is just the the consequences are huge mm-hmm. you know what i mean so um i absorb a lot in precarious positions mm-hmm. you know in positions where it's not the best to take them mm-hmm. you know whether it be to my body um where i'm getting my ribs kind of pushed back in from a chiropractor yeah. <laughs> all the time whenever i'm in fight camp I always get my ribs pushed back in and also too with my shoulders because of positioning and angle sometimes mm-hmm. um i don't have my elbow close to my body yeah. you know and so I might be out here because of position I might be out here yeah. and um you know I'd, i'll just do my best to make sure even though physically i know i'm really sacrificing to make sure that they know where they need to be mm-hmm. when they commit the strike and it's important for me that they're activated and actually hit the strike yeah. because uh, it's not good enough to kind of be over here and take it for granted that when you get to this position, you're going to be to fire unless you're rooted, activated, you mm-hmm. know, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's huge for me. So sometimes too, I can't even hold the pad and what it be is from position. I'll just bring my arm up I bring my arm up or not. And you got to hit me in the head, mm-hmm. but my arms up and I'll frame what not to best distribute it through my shoulders and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But my head will be taking stuff and whatnot, mm-hmm. you know, and like how you said, right? Shoulders and neck, neck and shoulders and whatnot mm-hmm. from all the years of training and whatnot uh, and fighting. My shoulders are naturally rounded, mm-hmm. you know, and that makes my neck like this. I pull my shoulders back, all of a sudden my neck is like, oh man, yeah. this feels better. Yeah. And whatnot, you know. So I think um that's something now that I consistently um work on and and and, and, and battle where I know my body really well, where I fall a little be behind if I'm a little more busy than normal mm-hmm. and have a little less time for those uh the lengthy warm-ups or mm-hmm. or uh, stretches afterwards and whatnot. I know I'm really gonna feel it. Mm-hmm. And I know that I have to commit all this attention to making sure that 
I get my neck and shoulders back where they need to be, yeah. where it's like, you know, you, you have me use a lacrosse ball yeah, yeah. on my on my rhomboids yeah. or whatnot, on my scapular area, those sort of things, um, to get my shoulders a little less crunchy, mm -hmm. as well as the stuff that we did um, yeah. uh, with, with the ball on my chest mm -hmm. and whatnot. That was huge. Anything about it, I thought I was just stretching my chest out yeah. against the wall or whatever was good enough. And uh, I realized when you take the ball to you, you're like, oh man, like you got all these hot spots. Mm -hmm. As you work on the lat or whatnot, like, oh my gosh, oh man, it feels better now. Yeah. I feel like I, I can perform now. Yes. You know, so it's huge, especially too, now that I'm getting older, mm -hmm. taking impact, it's, uh, there's a steeper cost now yeah. to, to do what I do. So staying strong and staying mobile is everything for me now. Yes. No, that's so true. I think all of us, we learn that, you know, as we get older, there's certain things that we got to do and just make sure we take care of our body mm -hmm. and that we can perform, right? And for you, it is still very intense, I think, what do you do? You know, the, the yeah. precision and all the things that you have to focus on so that you can coach mm -hmm. and actually prepare your athletes for what they need to do. Yeah. That's huge. On that note, I want to dive into a little bit so let's talk a little bit about kind of some some of your philosophies. Yeah. You know what what is it like <laughs> to train with you? You know, and then what what because I mean you guys do an awesome job at your school. Um, Thank you. Definitely, not only with like people that are doing this professionally or looking to do it, but just for anybody, right? Yeah. Like, like we were talking a little bit off camera. You know, like just making a part of their lifestyle yeah. and making it something that promotes health you know keeps you going makes it something productive so explain a little bit about what you bring as a coach what your approach is philosophy a little bit <laughs> i know this could be a whole nother episode yeah. but we'll just go briefly uh, sure sure um we got a good thing at the academy i think we have a good culture there um you know it's definitely one of those things where you leave you go at the door come in and learn um if you come in with let's say any sort of you bring in little too much ego or pride or whatnot, or if you're coming in with a great amount of expectations, mm -hmm. um, I think it's it's not going to be the right fit for you. Mm -hmm. You know, I think um, people that come in with great expectations tend to be more impatient, and things don't happen as fast as they like it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But that's what makes our culture so strong at the gym. Is that um, it? I want to say, lack of better words, kind of weeds those people out, but mm -hmm. we don't have a culture where we worry about things being toxic mm -hmm. there because there's so much positivity there. And it's not the the slap high fives after every little thing that you do. That's yeah, yeah. um, definitely not what we're about. <laughs> um, but people understand when they come there that it's more than just coming there to train. It is a lifestyle, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, we're firm believers that coming in and training for fitness, health benefits, weight loss, learning self-defense, mm -hmm. or coming in because you have aspirations of competing or you compete, but you you know, you know feel like something's missing out of your game. Mm -hmm. um, we believe we're kind of like the one-stop shop for that, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, we have these intro classes where we really pride ourselves on the fact that in the same intro class, it'll be first-timers, can be overweight. I've had people over 70 come in, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, to, to teen, young teens and so forth. Um, and in that class, there'll be a mix of mm -hmm. first timers, people there for all sorts of different reasons. You know, every mix from pro combat athletes mm -hmm. to first timers in that same class and everybody gets what they need to get out of it. Yeah. You know, um, and that's the biggest thing, you know, because I think you're going to get the physical side, of course, but I think what you need to get from it for it to be healthy and become the lifestyle thing needs to be the mental part. Mm -hmm. 
you know the the see something through you start something you know it's important for you to finish it mm-hmm. you know um consistency showing up and you know you hear these young athletes talk about the grind and whatnot you know that's that's okay <laughs> yeah it's okay you need to learn how to grind for sure but i think we need to learn effort mm-hmm. you can show up and, and so forth but sometimes showing up isn't good enough no come in whether you're just coming there to to get you know healthier or you're coming there to really get better to to compete mm-hmm. coming in there and, and just having the mindset of giving your best effort yeah. even if you're having off days and whatnot and that doesn't mean that doesn't mean things have to be so intense mm-hmm. you know yeah. but there's always something to be gained by coming in and putting forth your best effort and you know we have a little I guess unofficial slogan is, you know, 1% better yep. every day. Yep. If you just can get 1% better every day, just ask of yourself, if I can just get 1% better every day, you're better than you were yesterday. Yep. You know, if you come in the attitude of just kind of go through the motions and stuff, then yep. why are you here? Yeah. You know, and I, you know, I always give these probably a little too lengthy speeches a lot of times after class and whatnot, but I think... You know, for me, this, what I've gone through in my life through training and so forth really helped me be successful outside of fighting, mm-hmm. you yep. know, or at least what I identify as being success. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm doing what I, what I, what I want to do, what I love to do on my terms and I'm doing it for a living. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm helping people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for the most part, I think we have a strong culture where I think most of our students are able to apply this in, in, in life with jobs and homes yep. and whatnot. Yep. And that's like the biggest mission for me yeah. right there is to for you to have success and be happy with yourself mm-hmm. to have confidence and see that hey man you know where i thought that i couldn't do yeah. i actually can do especially here in hawaii you know mm-hmm. um we have some of the most talented athletes here yeah. and i think there's a culture of especially too i think a couple of generations back mm-hmm. you work you keep your nose down you don't complain you work really hard and you look for security and because of that, I think people settle. Yeah. You know, I mm-hmm. see that in my family as yeah. well. Yeah. You know, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I've learned a lot of good things from that. Yeah. But at the same time, I think people are unable to recognize that they're individually more special than that. Mm-hmm. And that the, the ceiling is so much higher than they really think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not to be all inspirational and whatnot, but it really is. So mm-hmm. sometimes in class, man, I'll kill them. Yeah. I'll kill him in class. Yeah. And afterwards, you know, I'll, I'll run him through a little circuit or something like that. And I'll give him a little talk afterwards. Like, how many of you guys, you know, thought you could do that? Yeah, yeah. You know, this is harder than maybe something you've ever done before. Yeah. You know, and I'll, I'll gauge it by who's in class and so forth yeah. and whatnot. But I'm like, I want you guys to realize, you know, I'll tell them, I want you guys to realize that just because the people around you mm-hmm haven't done something like that you know bigger than than what you've mm-hmm. done doesn't mean you can't do it yep. don't let the people around you your family your friends whatever your circle is yep. just because they didn't do it that does not mean <laughs> that you can they they aren't your limits yep. and people mm-hmm. do that they yep. make their surrounding uh circle their limits mm-hmm. that becomes your limitations and whatnot yep. and it's such garbage yeah, yeah. you know so like especially too as a coach uh-huh. um with the athletes yeah, um, this. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, sorry, man. No excuses yeah. for me. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's so many things that we could go on and on about, but a lot mm. of the same things. I think we have a lot of overlapping fi- uh, philosophy, mm. and definitely, you know, effort. And it doesn't mean that it's always 
intensity and overtraining like that's not productive either not and then just yeah i i preach that to my athletes and we have never talked about this till now mm. the one percent better thing that's like the number one thing is like i don't care if you get you know don't shoot for the 20 percent better by tomorrow yeah. like it just gets you in trouble but if you just be consistent over yeah. a year's time you'll be surprised with you know again raising the bar and setting new limits right for yourself yeah. because you didn't realize that all of that consistency really paid off and it's sustainable it's sustainable yes. sustainable progress that that you never lose man when I mean, you, you build know, a kind of foundation man you never lose it and that's where it creates a lifestyle to yes, me yes exactly yeah. it's all about the lifestyle is huge you know otherwise it, you're not really going to be able to sustain it or you're mm. not doing it maybe for the right reasons too right. we could keep going on and on <laughs> i i know one one thing that i do have to include um being the coach you know people hear your philosophy your approach and everything yeah. and i know you had had so many successes in your pro career but also helping a lot of athletes but if you were to pick maybe one of your favorite or top memories uh through the years what would that be you oh know my gosh and can be anything either <clears throat> personally for yourself or some of the people that you've helped with what is one that kind of sticks out to you um wow i know there's a lot there's a lot there's yeah. a lot um i, I want to say you know probably coming back home i would say mm-hmm. um would be one of the ones top ones would be my brother-in-law my wife's brother jared um he's one of my assistant coaches um he nicknamed the war machine whatnot but uh, he's one of the most talented athletes you know that i've ever seen or worked with this mm-hmm. guy is a phenomenal beast you know he's what he's 38 now he's still a freak explosive <laughs> he works hard he works hard yeah. and whatnot too but i think with him being that he's a career athlete he's always been a really good athlete mm-hmm. you know <clears throat> and uh from my experience most guys that were really good athletes didn't have to grind as hard because mm-hmm. they're talented mm-hmm. and you know it, it's 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 not it's i want to say it's not their fault because mm-hmm. i see this through the different generations mm-hmm. even the younger athletes one that the guys that yeah. are just absolute studs physically mm-hmm. um athletically i should say um they have an easier time with success but what I noticed with them is not they're not as mentally strong mm-hmm. you know um, and I would say you know Jared's one of these guys who is really gifted um, mm-hmm. love you bro <laughs> um, but uh, he I think he didn't have the mental strength like like my wife did as a fighter mm-hmm. like my wife is one of the strongest people I've ever met in my life mm-hmm. you know her mental strength her grit <clears throat> I want to say I mean gosh I, I don't know any other too many other people um that i can really ever name mm-hmm. that will rival my mental grit mm-hmm. you know and she's one of them mm-hmm. you know i always say like man if you morph the two of them together mm-hmm. the perfect athlete the perfect <laughs> fighter yeah. you know what i mean um but i think he would go through things uh when he when he first started competing where he's super talented or whatnot but fighting's not easy fighting's not for yeah. everybody you know, you have a certain, have to have a certain mentality and confidence and trust in yourself because that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Fighting te- teaches you to trust yourself with your training. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think for him, one of the biggest moments was definitely his last fight uh, a number of years ago now, where he overcame so much adversity um, against this absolute banger mask guy. Was like this guy knocked him down like three times in a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, he was rocked. I mean, like rocked. Mm-hmm. 
just one of the heaviest handed dudes man you could ever face and uh, super aggressive and Jared came back and uh, never gave up and he stopped the guy mm-hmm. he's continued to trust the training and uh-huh. broke the guy down uh-huh. and stopped him you know through his training um, in the beginning of the fight he had a hard time because of how fast the guy started and whatnot. and it took a little bit for him to kind of get in gear wake up and like hey man wake up man you're in a, yeah. you're in a firefight yeah. kind of thing but what he gained from there all these years later um, was tremendous. Mm-hmm. His mental growth, his maturity as an athlete, his maturity as a, as a fighter, his maturity as a coach, mm-hmm. and how much I feel like that night changed him mm-hmm. to being a guy that re- is really able to help out some other guys now. Mm-hmm. That's one of the biggest moments, I think, for me because that night was huge for him to go through the adversity and come out on top mm-hmm. and get the win. But it's been years later now, yeah. and Jared's one of my coaches now yeah. under me. So having been his coach, mm-hmm. as well as watching him help some of the other young guys now, yeah. that's been very rewarding for me. Yeah. It's been very rewarding to see someone grow, yeah. you know, like that mentally. Yeah. yeah. So and yeah. sometimes it's just you know like there's a pivotal moment right in your life, and there's yeah. like one or two things that just so happened that you had to experience and then it has that lasting effect that kind of changes how everything is moving forward right and i know we could talk for you know for many more episodes that's how it is with all the guests but i mean no that's great stories that you shared and i i know there's a lot more success that you're going to experience in the future on that note is there what do you want to promote what do you have going on what are you looking forward to what <laughs> what are you up to with your you know your classes and all of that you can share anything that might help some of the listeners or people interested um geez man that too you know um just promoting anything of course i want to promote our gym and whatnot um but honestly not for the obvious reasons and so mm-hmm. forth you know the business side would be the business side and mm-hmm. i don't put everything on the business side i believe you do things organically you do things for the right reason you mm-hmm. know you're gonna be successful enough in it mm-hmm. you know what i mean but yeah i also want to say over at you know legacy muay thai and gracie techniques you know we got a good thing going on over there and uh you know one with coaching expertise you know probably the highest level mm-hmm. uh coaches um and athletes in the state Mm-hmm. as well as this culture of community that we have there where it's not uh, not toxic. It's mm-hmm. not, we don't have clicks in the gyms, no cult following where you're, you come to the gym, you got to call me certain <laughs> things or whatnot, <laughs> you know. Um, it's just very healthy. And I, I think, um, you know, guys coming out, check us out and whatnot. You'll see, man, it's a, we promote a very healthy lifestyle, mm-hmm. uh, mental, physical health and whatnot. Um, for sure that, you know, so I'd love to see you guys come over, give us a, give us a shot. Mm-hmm. Other than that, man, just um, self-awareness with everything that's going on with the pandemic and whatnot. Um, probably just close at that. I think regardless of what side that you stand on, uh, vaccinated, unvaccinated and whatnot, I think, you know, using critical thinking, paying attention to, you know, objective science and so forth, mm-hmm. um, using common sense, understanding that this is a flu, this is a cold or whatnot, um, but looking at things that keep you healthy even with a common cold, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Things like that. If you're doing the right things, we're pro- trying to live a he- maybe a healthy li- lifestyle, some sort of moderate exercise daily, mm-hmm. trying to eat a little bit better, you mm-hmm. know, um, mm-hmm. 
and so forth that you're gonna have this really incredible immune system <laughs> and our human the human body is incredible yeah you know what i mean um and that if you get sick you're gonna recover mm-hmm. you're gonna have a high chance of recovering very very well and whatnot and i think just want to say that because i think there's a lot of there's still a lot of fear going on and it's sad to see the level of fear um with people not being able to live their lives yeah. right now and that's the biggest thing right now is just this has been a long time you know we've been waiting to get out of 2020 we're yeah. about to hit 2022, 2022 and we're yeah. still like in 2020 yes, you know yes. what i mean it's just uh uh-huh. for everyone to be a little more conscious i mean still be responsible sure mm-hmm. but be a little more conscious of these things and uh you know i i'm not one that believes in that this is the new normal mm-hmm. you know i'm I'm a firm believer in us getting back to life. And if anything from this, hopefully we learn to be healthier people in general Mm -hmm. and not fall down the road of going down to diabetes and Mm -hmm. all these different things, you know, that of course, if you catch COVID or any other illness, those things are going to be devastating to you, Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, just healthy lifestyle guys yeah yeah no that's great and what is the website um if they want to look up you know or contact you guys at the gym yeah for sure just uh just go ahead and google us gracietechnics.com uh you see try the instagram uh at legacy hawaii or uh, at gracie techniques honolulu yeah. um and just yeah we're we're pretty good about reaching back out if, if people reach out to us we're mm-hmm. really good about getting back to people and so forth so if you guys have any questions check us out on the website um or any of the social media outlets yes and yeah i'll leave it on you work so hard you're always (laughs) training people you know you're i don't know how you do it sometimes but you really care about you know helping everyone too so definitely if anyone's interested you know go check it out and you know yeah it might be something that you incorporate into your lifestyle and that's that's the main thing but overall i mean it's great to touch base and you know hear the story and i know there's so many other things we could have talked about too but you know i know both of us are busy and then we'll leave it at at this but do you have any other last words if not then thanks so much for coming on oh man thanks for having me it's been a long time it's good to touch base with you again (laughs) yes appreciate it thanks ivan (laughs) 